0: You know, you can almost sound like you speak in tongues when you just say turkey over and over again. It just occurred to me, turkey, 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 turkey. Yes, Lord. If you can't laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at, right, Audrey? I think, oh, you can always laugh at me. You can always laugh at me. Wow. Thanks, Derek. Yeah, I bet you do. All right. Well, how many of you guys took a Sabbath this last week? Just curious. How many of you took a Sabbath this week? Oh, uh, there's a few a few people. How many of you found it hard? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is hard. It is hard, and I'm glad that the few of you took it. I would encourage you again, next week, give it another shot. Give it a try, even if it's only half a day, to take some time to rest in God's presence. Um, it'll It'll do your soul good, I promise you, and you see what God does when you do that um, this week we all had our Thanksgiving holidays and uh, our family, we celebrated, my family came to us this year and then we went, what is today, Saturday, Sunday, it all kind of happened so fast, the holidays such a blur. We went up to Coeur to go um, to, there's a, a Christmas light parade, if you guys know about this thing, there's a parade that comes through town and everybody puts lights on their cars and their trucks and their, mostly trucks and four by fours and boats, it's kind of weird, very Coeur d'Alene. And then at the end of it, Santa Claus comes in. So officially, Christmas began Friday night at about 6 o'clock in Coeur d'Alene. It started Christmas for the whole world. I don't know if you knew that. But that actually marked the beginning of Christmas. And at that point, then all the Christmas sales could start. And we could begin celebrating by shopping. I got some general chuckles after that. You know, you're like, I'm not sure I'd buy it. But it's true. We went shopping yesterday. And I spent like 45 minutes in line at Michael's to buy one item. was very exciting. I felt Christmas like all over me in that moment. I was just like, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I mean, you could turn on the radio now and you find three radio stations with 24 hours a day, Christmas music. So we can now all get our ho, ho, ho on and our Santa Claus is coming to town and we're ready to rock and roll, right? Yay. I have traditionally really, really loved Christmas. I'm kind of a nostalgic guy. And I like to kind of like wrap the holiday around me like a warm blanket, you know, and just like turn on the Bing Crosby and the Christmas lights and and listen to all the wonderful sounds and sights of the year and and kind of reminisce, like all of those feelings that come up in your gut when you start thinking about greenery and red bows and when you think of Rudolph and and like even Bing Crosby's voice itself. It just brings up those feelings of, of comfort and joy, right? Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. I sound just like Bing, don't I? Just like him. I need a pipe. I need a pipe. I need a pipe. Yeah. Anyway, so we we get this, this sense, this feeling that wraps around us when we start thinking about this stuff. But then we find out just how false a lot of those feelings are. That there are actually like a lot of smoke and mirrors when it comes down to it. Because all it takes is one well, one forty five minutes standing in line at Michael's for one item to find out just how fake a lot of the Christmas joy is. A lot of the feelings that we wrap ourselves in during Christmas, they seem to, to evaporate and we see that like there's this there is a man behind the curtain and there is a man pulling the levers. And it doesn't feel very good. The Christmas joy that we often say we celebrate during Christmas winds up being kind of a sham. It's a lot of noise and fire, but somehow it's unable to deliver on all of its promises. Is the name Isaac Watts familiar to you guys? Isaac Watts? A few of us? I guarantee you, whether you can remember his name or not, you've probably sang some of his songs. He's a famous songwriter. And one of the songs that he wrote is, is one of our most famous, most popular Christmas carols of all time. And it goes like this. Joy to the world. Right? Let's try that again joy to the world now you there you go you see you know it you can stop now Whoop. choir cutting you off Whoop. you're like i just want to keep going we could just sing christmas carols just just skip it jb you're done we could just sing it it's one of the most famous carols uh ever written and uh now you've all got it going on in your head and you're like you're already at heaven and nature sing right you're like already got you yeah, mm-hmm. and you're going to be there the rest of the sermon i promise You're just going to be singing this over and over in your head. Now, I want you to think of this song because the first line says, Joy to the world, Santa Claus has come. Oh, yeah, you missed that one, didn't you? No, it it doesn't say, Joy to the world, the gifts have come. You know, and it doesn't say, Joy to the world, the in-laws have come. Right? The in-laws have come. Now, pretty much that's a really good thing when the in-laws have come to take your kids so you can go to the beach, right? How many of you say amen to that one? Yeah, Joy to the world, the in-laws have come. It doesn't say these things. It says, joy to the world, the Lord has come. The song Joy to the World is a declaration of joy. Not happiness because of lights or because of gifts. Not a sense of gladness because something funny was said or done. But joy, deep joy 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 that's in our soul and why because of jesus you don't have to dig very deep into the gospels to find the theme of joy just popping up and as i told you last week this this advent we're going to be talking all about joy we're going to be celebrating joy we're going to be looking for joy we're going to be asking god what is joy and how does it affect us what do we do about it and how do we receive it and so this morning we are going to start in the very beginning of the gospels in luke chapter 1 you want to open your Bibles. We're gonna look at Luke 1 and 2 real briefly, and then we're gonna look at John fifteen. So you're gonna to wanna to flip over there as well. But Luke chapter 1, verses 44. This is a cool little story about Mary. Now, if you don't aren't familiar with the gospel stories, Mary is Jesus' mom. And this story takes place before Jesus is even born. Okay. Jesus is a is a is a is a little child inside Mary's womb. And she's already starting to grow and, and stretch a little bit. She's kind of in those uncomfortable morning sickness days, maybe. And she goes to visit her cousin, Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth is also, as they say in the Bible, with child, right? And she's impossibly old. She's not supposed to be with child. She's not supposed to have a baby in her, but she does. And she's stretched out just a little bit further, just a little bit further along than Mary. And as Mary comes to her house, she walks in the door, and she's like practically singing for joy over what God has done and what he is going to do. And in verse 44... Mary, uh, uh, sorry, Elizabeth responds to Mary and this is what she said she says this to, to Mary she says for behold when the sound of your greeting came to my ears the baby in my womb leapt for joy leapt for joy at the presence of Jesus in the womb of Mary the baby inside the womb of Elizabeth did a little flip turn now moms in the room know what that flip turn feels like it almost makes you nauseous. You know, there's this little, little flip, and he kicks something inside there. He's like, oh, I don't feel so good, or his foot sticks out. And he did this little dance of joy inside his mother. Now, obviously, from our perspective today, there's a number of things wrong with that story, right? I mean, just think about it. You're like, hey, wait a minute. You just said the Bible's wrong. Now, I want you to say, I, I totally buy this story. But there's a number of things, like, from our perspective that are totally crazy. Like, first of all, babies are incapable of anything but the most basic emotions, Right? They get angry when they're hungry. They get happy when they make a mess in their diaper for you. You know, they smile when they go to the bathroom. It's like these basic, basic emotions that they... And those are the ones that are born. Now, the ones inside, they have even less going on in their brains. They don't ever feel hunger because they're constantly fed. They don't feel the mess because they don't make the mess. You know, they're not happy about this thing. So there's just this baby in the womb with basic, basic emotions going on. And so now we've got these people assigning joy to a child, and that doesn't make a lot of sense to us. This baby that's separated by this thinly stretched skin and a gallon of amniotic fluid and various and sundry mom parts in there, it certainly shouldn't be able to interact or emote any sort of joy. But, like I said, I trust God's word, so I believe it when it says that this baby, John, was filled with joy, and it did a little happy dance. John, before he was even born, was responding to the presence of the Son of God. He was just nearby, just across the room. Just Elizabeth is sitting in her chair, and Elizabeth, Mary comes in the door, and the baby does a flip turn over for joy. And you know what? It's not just the baby, because Elizabeth is the one that's saying, uh, saying what's going on inside of her. She's also experiencing this emotion of joy. She is filled with deep joy. What she and her unborn son are experiencing is qualitatively different than what we feel and experience on Christmas morning. It's qualitatively different. We feel that that joy on Christmas morning. We feel it in our, our hearts maybe. But what Mary experienced and what Elizabeth experienced and what John experienced in this moment was felt deep inside their soul, a feeling of deep happiness, of blessing, all because of the presence of an unborn Savior. They experience joy. What is our definition of joy? Joy is the soul feeling of deep happiness, of contentment and blessing because of a present goodness. Now I want to flash forward just a couple of months in Luke chapter 2. Jesus has been born. The time has come for Mary to give birth. And they had to just make this hard journey from Nazareth in the north to Bethlehem in the south. It took them several days and they had to do it because of taxes yes taxes are still inconvenient they have always been inconvenient it's always though a time of joy even in tax season when a baby is born always a it's a, always a moment of joy but when jesus is born jesus is more than just a baby he's not just any baby this is the messiah the promised savior when we have a baby we take a cute picture and we send it to costco and mail it out to everybody saying look My baby isn't an alien i know all the pictures i showed you before said it was an alien but look my baby isn't an alien it's actually cute it doesn't even look like a bug yay and everybody gets the pictures and we're all cheerful and happy but jesus being the savior of the world he gets a very special birth announcement god sends the angel announcer god sends the angelic choir to kick this thing off right to let everybody know what has happened can you imagine the angel that got called to prepare the speech you know, this is like a big deal. son of God has just been born, and he is supposed to give the birth announcement. He's probably watching all the YouTube videos that are out there for the birth announcements. He's probably, you know, he's like thinking, how about blue balloons in a box? You no. Know, or or maybe a piñata filled with blue Jordan almonds. They'll scatter everywhere, and everybody will know it's a boy. Or maybe a blue silly string, and then wrap them. It's a mystery, and we spray it. Oh, it's a boy. But then he thinks that's probably just a gender reveal. And that was nine months ago when he said, Behold, you shall give birth to a son. And so he's got to come up with another idea. And he has to fall back on his ever-popular speech. So he writes his speech. He's getting ready, and he's so excited for what he has to say. He's literally, an angel is filled with joy over this news. And he's writing down the words. He's like, I bring you news. No, not just news, good news. Good news, I bring you good news. And this news is about joy. It's about joy no not just joy it's joy for all people and it's not just a little bit of joy it's great joy he makes every statement as he writes this emphatic feeling filled just shout out if he, was, if he was texting this thing it would be in all caps with like 30 exclamation points at the end and like 3 or 4 dancing emojis Okay, that's how emphatic this thing is if he, were, if he was writing it it would just be absolutely crazy with exclamation points He says this, this is his full speech here. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Wow. Pastor Charles Spurgeon once wrote a passage in one of his sermons regarding this. He said this, every word of this text is emphatic, as if to show that the gospel is, above all things, intended to promote and will most abundantly create the greatest possible joy in the human heart wherever it is received. This news isn't just for the guys and their sheep that were standing there that day. It's for all people. And good news, that means you as well as me. And he's not just born. He is born this day, today, right here, right now. And he's not just a Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the promised one. He is lord of all everyone who has realized that that fact and put their faith in him has the joy that only jesus can bring into their lives everybody who puts their faith in that moment can experience the fullness of joy that god has intended us so the angel has got this really emotional speech all worked up to this point he's all excited about it he's just and he's got to—he's—he's he's, he's thinking. Okay, I got to run this past God the Father. I mean, it's his birth—it's the birth announcement for his son. So we got to make sure it's cool with him. And he goes and he—and he says it to God. And God's like, he's like, "What do you think, God?" And and, and he was like thinking, saying, "Lord, I think that maybe what we could do with this is I could say this, but then after that, maybe thirty or forty million of my brothers and sisters, the angels, could come." And we can make this angelic choir and we can sing, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, and then like that. the lights will go and the flash pots, and the stars will twinkle and everybody will fall down. I'm like, this is the best angel show ever. And it's going to be awesome. And all we need now, God, is we need a sign. We need to be able to give him a sign. We need to, You know, that's what angels like to do. Is like This will be a sign for you. What can we put at the end of that, Lord? And I think I could just almost imagine God thinking, I got this. And He leaves, he's like, angel, come here, come here, angel. He whispers in his ear, and you can just see that. I, I imagine this thing. This is what I do with my spare time. I imagine what angels are doing in the Bible. And I can just see this angel's face. He's all excited. He's all jazzed about the choir and the whole thing. And, and I can just see his face. And it just, you know, that, that moment when you hear exactly the opposite of what you think you should hear, and your face just kind of freezes, and then it slowly falls. And he looks at God, and he says, are you sure? you sure that's the sign we should give? And God says, yeah, this is it. I've got this. This is perfect. You give them this sign. Give them this sign. And so now the angel gets there. It happens. The choir is opened up. And oh, hallelujah. And the angel gives his speech. You know, fear not. And he does the whole thing. And I can almost imagine he gets to this part. And this shall be a sign to you. And he has to think, do I go with confidence on this one? Or do I just dribble off into the old, you know? I just... He says it. Finally, what he says is completely Absurd, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The first sentence, everything is emphatic and huge, and the second sentence, everything is backwards and absurd from what you would expect for the savior of the world to be coming as the thing that is going to be great joy, the good news that the angel of the, that is announcing about the savior of the whole world. It can be found right here in this town, but it isn't going to look like what you think it should. It's not an army. It's not a general. It's not a warrior. It's a baby, a helpless baby. And not only helpless, but poor. It's wrapped in swaddling clothes. These are the leftover rags that they had saved from the kitchen after washing all the dishes so that they could wipe off the animals after they were born. This This is just like, these are dirty rags that are used to nobody. And this Savior of the world, this little helpless infant has been wrapped in those. And not only that, it's lying in a manger. We're talking about animal drool all over the place. The horses have got their heads in there and there's horse, you know, liquid from their noses and there's sheep slop, pig slop have been in this stuff. This is where the Savior of the world has been laid. The angel is announcing that joy going to be found in a place where you least expect it, but it's right where you live, right in your town, right in your wheelhouse, right in your home, right in your city. Joy has been born, and it looks like what you would least expect it to. Joy is a person. It's Jesus. So what is joy, and why does this impoverished baby bring it? Let's work with our definition of joy real quick and see what we can learn. First of all, let's, let's go back to that definition. Joy is the soul feeling of deep happiness, contentment, and blessing because of a present goodness. Let's break that down. First of all, joy is a feeling. It's an emotion. Whoever said that feelings don't matter was probably a Vulcan. Because as far as I know, Vulcans are the only people in the galaxy who don't feel. I guess maybe the Borg, if you're really following the sci-fi thing. Those people, None of those people feel But feelings do matter. And God has given us feelings. Sometimes our feelings lie to us. Sometimes they betray us. Sometimes they overrun us and they don't seem very nice. Those things happen, which is why our hope has always got to be in the promises of God. Why our hope always has to be in the steadfast love of our Lord. And yet, whatever our feelings are telling us, they're there for a reason. They're a God-given gift. They're an indicator of what's going on in your heart and in a means of experiencing the Lord. God's presence comes. He comes and he ignites our emotions. We feel something when he is here. Joy is a feeling. It's not something that you can buy. It's not something you can work for or measure. John felt this emotion when he was a little tiny infant in the womb. It's a feeling that is meant for all people because of Jesus when the angel prepares his announcement, he starts with these words. Fear not, for I bring a message of great joy. Notice the contrast between those first two couple of emotive words, emotion words. You have the emotion of fear, and you have the emotion of joy. He knows that the angelic choir is going to inspire fear. And not because it's going to be a bad performance. I mean, the angels are going to be good, right? It's going to be like better than you two. And it's going to be a great concert. So he's not worried about the people being freaked out because it's going to be bad. But he knows that this whole choir that's showing up is a bunch of beings that live in the very presence of God. There's an Old Testament story of Moses. Moses goes up the mountain to meet with God and he meets with God face to face. And when he turns around and comes back down the mountain to meet with the people, he is literally glowing because he has been in the presence of God. And everybody experiences fear. They're like, cover your face. They literally put a bag over his head so that they can hide this glowing presence of God. Now, this is Moses who have been up on the mountain for maybe a day. And we've got angels who live day and night their whole existence for all eternity in the presence of God. So imagine the fear that that presence that glows upon them would inspire in the people. And then on top of that, they're just giant monstrous beings with wings and flashing swords and all kinds of stuff. These things inspire—they're not the happy little angel that we stick the stick of the top of our tree into on Christmas— These are monstrous monstrous beings that inspire awe. And so this angel starts with these words, Don't fear. Don't be terrified. Because we're not here to inspire fear in you. We're here to tell you something that's going to give you joy. God's presence in the lives of the angels can cause people to fear, and has done so throughout Scripture. But fear is not the emotion that God wants us to experience. Fear is not what God wants us to do in His presence. Now, fearing the Lord is a whole other thing. We could talk about that another time. But the emotion of fear, being afraid, is not what God wants. What he wants for us is what the angel announces next. Tidings of great joy. He's announcing the emotion of joy to come to our hearts. Now, this is not just an emotion, a feeling. It's a soul feeling. Joy is something that you feel not just in your emotional self. It's deeper joy, as you know, it often gets mixed up with happiness, right? In our world we i like, I'm, I'm happy. Are you experiencing joy? Yeah, I'm happy. The culture wants us to feed on happiness as an escape, to do the things that make us happy. We go shopping for retail therapy so that we feel happy. We drink so that we can be happy and make all the things that make us sad go away. We date somebody so that we can feel happy. Sometimes we even marry people so that we'll feel happy. But real joy real joy has more energy, more life, more consequence, more power. It lives in a deeper place in our soul. The soul is the deepest part of our identity. It's what so sews so up our spirit and our body. It's this place where they intermingle and mix and it's our deepest identity before God and it's in that place that we experience the gifts of the spirit of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, of goodness, of gentleness. We experience those in our soul. So joy is the feeling, and you know, a soul feeling, of what? Of happiness, of contentment, and blessing. Honestly, I think that that list could go on and on and on. Margaret Feinberg, in her book, Fighting Back with Joy, she adds to this list. She says, it's a spectrum of emotions, actions, and responses that include gladness, cheer, happiness, merriment, delight, dancing, shouting, exulting, rejoicing, laughing, playing, brightening, blessing, and being blessed taking pleasure in, and being well-pleased. I can't, can you think of anything else to add to that list? Every good and wonderful feeling that we have is somehow wrapped up in this biblical idea of joy. Have you ever noticed our human tendency to take words and kind of reduce them to their lowest meaning, their least amount of meaning? We take the word love and we use it to describe our feeling for tacos, Right? When a person is really annoying, we kindly say, hey, oh, bless their heart, rather than, gosh. We try to reduce these words down and change their meaning a little bit to make them nicer and softer, or or somehow we dilute them. We take these massive soul words and we make them trivial figures of speech. When it comes to the range of feelings that are described in, as joy throughout Scripture, our reduction practice actually shortchanges our ability to experience it. We pursue happiness, and when we feel happy, we don't get much thought to why we feel that way. When something good happens, we feel blessed. But often, we don't connect the feeling of blessing with the one who actually blessed us. The Bible says in the book of James that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, from God. So when we are experiencing something good, a gift, a sense of happiness, a true settled contentment deep inside, It's because of God. It's not because we've earned it or because somebody gave it, but because God has given us the ability to feel it. And every gift comes from the Lord, which leads us to our final point. We experience joy, the sense of blessing, the sense of happiness, the sense of contentment because of a present good. Life brings lots of good things, right? Gifts, Christmas morning, good things, unless you get like deodorant or socks. But you get good things on Christmas morning. You you get the gift that you were always hoping for, the gift you were always dreaming about. And it brings a sense of happiness. But that's just a piece of joy. Now I think about my kids and my wife. I love being with my kids and wife. Really, honestly, there's nobody I would rather be with than my children and my wife most days. I had to caveat that, right? Most days. When I'm with them, I'm often filled with a sense of joy. With a sense of happiness, as I watch my kids thrive in this world and do the things they love to do, it brings a sense of joy. My son Isaac is sitting in the room, and I'm just going to say this really fast. When he hits a fastball, and it goes out into the center field, and you see the look on his face of joy, I feel joy. It makes me happy and excited. But these feelings of joy that we have are just a small reflection of what God experiences and what he wants for us. If my children and my wife produce in me this feeling of joy and happiness, imagine how God's presence affects his children. The greatest joy a human can experience is to be in the presence of their maker. Jesus' birth announcement included the pronouncement of joy to the whole world because why? The Lord has come. John 15, if you want to turn your Bibles over there. John 15 is this gathering of Jesus' final teachings. Over the last several days and weeks of his life, John thought through these things and he collected them and put them in his story just before Jesus actually goes to the cross. And right smack in the middle of all that is this story about vines and branches. At the end of this teaching, he says this. He writes this down, that Jesus said this. Jesus says, these things, this is verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus is saying that you have a joy tank. You have a joy tank inside of you, and I want the needle to point to F. I want your joy to be full. In every moment, in every day, despite your circumstances, despite what's going on around you, maybe even despite what's going on in your body, you may be suffering, but I want your joy to be full. Notice that this statement is about being filled, about being filled with joy. It starts with the words, I have spoken these things to you. What things? In verses 1 through 10, Jesus describes this relationship between himself and us. Where we are connected with him like a vine and branches. Like a, like a branch on an apple tree and its trunk. Where we are so intimately connected, you can't tell one from the other. And that the trunk... Produces brings up all this water, brings up all this nutrients, and provides for the branch so that the branch can produce fruit, which is made for other people to enjoy. We are to be connected with God in such a way that we bring all of our we get all of our life from Him. And when we are, what Jesus says is that we will be filled with joy. When our relationship is connected with God in such a way that we are like a vine on a branch. We will be filled with joy. We have joy because of Emmanuel, God with us. God is with us. Margaret Feinberg writes again that joy emanates from the abiding sense of God's fierce love for us. His fierce love for us. Not a not a passive love, not a weak love, not a just a I love tacos sort of love but a fierce love that fights for us, that pursues us and chases us. And when we have this abiding sense, this sense that it sticks with us, that we walk with it, it it lives in us, then we experience the joy because of the presence of God in us. We can live with that sense of joy that comes from always being in the presence of God. We live in a world that wants to distract us from that. We think that God isn't present, when we watch the football game, especially when the Cougars lose, right? That was a heartbreaker this weekend. We live with this sense that, that God isn't present um, in our bedrooms, or that God isn't present in our, in our private workspaces, that God isn't present when we're grocery shopping, in the mundane activities of life. We live with the sense that God isn't present when we argue with our spouse, that God isn't present when we love on our children. We come to church and we think this is where God's presence is. But God's presence is all around us. It never leaves us. It never forsakes us. And here's the catch. In Psalm 1611, the psalmist wrote this, In your presence there is fullness of joy. When we are in God's presence, which is always. We can experience joy. It doesn't matter how our marriages are doing. It doesn't matter how well our kids are doing. It doesn't matter whether we're making good money or we're losing money. It doesn't matter whether we got the gift we wanted for Christmas or didn't. It doesn't matter whether the doctor says to you, you have cancer, or he says to you, you have a clean bill of health. All of these things are human experiences in which God is present. And where God is, there is fullness of joy that can be accessed by you and me if you remain connected. The angel announced that joy would come to the world because God came to it not because we went to it to God not because we did anything but because God came to us because Jesus is present we have joy joy is caused by a present goodness Jesus talked about abiding in him sticking with him so that we would have joy because of his presence then he goes on to say this you notice there was two parts to that phrase first he says so that my joy may be complete or my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full we often read that as jesus is saying the same thing twice but i think that jesus is saying two completely different things the first thing that he says is guess what i want my joy to be full too and guess where my joy comes from being in your presence you are the joy of jesus his disciples were the joy of jesus he wants us to remain connected to him, not just so that we can have joy that's full, but so that he can have joy as well. If you look uh, ahead in the book of Hebrews, He said, uh, the author of Hebrews said this, that Jesus endured the cross and its shame for the joy that was set before him. What is that joy? To be united with you, to be connected to you. Joy is caused by a present goodness. We find that in the presence of Jesus, we have joy. And we find that we are Jesus's joy. This is why he wants us to remain connected to him. So Jesus's arrival was announced as an event that would bring great news. Good news of great joy. His very presence would bring joy. We saw John actually leap in the womb because that presence brought joy. And we learn that we can have this joy in all circumstances simply remaining connected with him we were created for joy because we are created for a relationship as people made in the image of god we've been given not just the right but the ability to experience this joy happiness merriment rejoicing playfulness and laughter despite our circumstances and it's not just for christians all people have been given this capacity People go to comedy clubs and laugh and they experience happiness. They experience laughter. They experience joy. But how much more should believers in Jesus Christ who walk in his presence daily experience joy because of God's presence? How much more? So my question for us this morning is this. How connected to Jesus are you? How is your relationship with Jesus doing? How is it with your soul? Maybe a simple way to say this is, how full is your joy tank because of your connection to Jesus? In the bottom of your bulletin, you have a little meter. And there's two of them, actually. The first one, I'm going to take a moment and, and, uh, would you come and and, and play? We're going to close in worship in just a moment. First one, I want, this is for you. How is your joy tank doing? This Christmas season. How much joy do you have in your heart because you're connected to God and you know that he is providing, you know that he is caring, you know that he is loving, you know that he is kind, you're experiencing his peace, his goodness, his kindness. How much joy is in your heart because of the presence of God? And the second one is, that's Jesus' joy tank. Now I know that Jesus has all Christians in all the world to be present with and to receive joy from, and God needs nothing from us. But he wants to be in our presence. So, if it was just you and God, just you and Jesus, and you were sitting there, and all of Jesus' joy came from you, which it doesn't, but if it did, how much joy would be in Jesus' tank? I'm going to just give you a moment to, to ponder and think about Jesus, I pray that you just open our hearts to ask this question with you. How is it with our soul? How are we doing with you? Are we remaining connected? And in that connection, are we finding joy in all circumstances? Help us to be honest right now. Father, we confess that now maybe our joy tank is not as full as we'd like it to be. Help us this week to connect to you in such a way that your joy is full, that our joy is full, that the announcement of the angel of great news, good news, of great joy for all people would actually be true. God, I pray that others would experience our joy and wonder where it comes from. God, I pray that Others would long to know the relationship that causes this joy in us. That we would be a light to this world because of this sense of deep, abiding joy, contentment, happiness, blessing, goodness, of dancing because of your presence. Not because of anything we've created or done, not because the bills look good or because the presents are going to be great. But because you came, because we live in a world where we have Emmanuel, God with us. this morning in your name Amen so today I want to challenge you to two things as we go first one is I challenged you last week to take a Sabbath and I suggested that many of us can't experience joy because we're moving too fast we get these fleeting moments of happiness that we can't connect to because we're busy moving on to the next thing take the Sabbath and stop long enough to experience joy the second thing is this when I was uh when I was going through some therapy a couple years ago for depression, one of the things that my counselor said to me was that, you know what, when you're depressed and stuff, you often just dismiss the good things that are going on around you. And so what I want you to do is begin to write down or keep a list of the things that, the moments where you feel happy, the moments where you experience joy. So I want to challenge you to take this week and maybe even over Advent and start a Christmas joy list. Think about the moments that pop up where you experience God's presence. Think about the moments where you experience joy or contentment or peace in the midst of chaos, in the midst of those final exams that are coming for the college students, in the midst of the in-laws, in the midst of whatever it happens to be, to write down those moments of joy and to read over that list and to remind yourself and to remember that God has been present to you. Who wants to do that with me? May I commit to do that this week? I'm going to do it. All right. Well, I'm going to close and pray for us, and we're going to go and get our kids. We're done a few minutes early. Uh, We're going to go finish our turkey coma. Uh, Maybe eat turkey leftovers and continue the coma. Tomorrow, we're all hitting the ground running. We're all going to be at full speed. Christmas is going to hit like a ton of bricks. But in the midst of it, my prayer for you is that you would remember that God is present, that He is with you joy doesn't come from external things, but our joy comes from the presence of Jesus in us. Father, I pray that we would go with a sense of your presence and your joy and that it would walk with us throughout our week. God, help us to connect to you this week and to remember you and to know that you were with us at all times. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in the grace of our Lord knowing that he loves you deeply and I do and I do too. Amen.